Welcome to this episode of the Post-Military Podcast. In this episode, Dylan Davenport and I discuss his time in the military, his transition out of the military, his advice to service members leaving the military, and finally, the emotions involved in separating your identity from the service. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Solemnly swear. To solemnly swear. That I will support and defend. That I will support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. Let's get it started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Post-Military Podcast with my friend Dylan Davenport. Yeah, so welcome to the pod. Glad all of you guys are here. I'm super excited to get this going. Without further ado, Dylan, please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. What did you do in the military? Yeah, so... Super uh, weird um, kind of career path. I was short answers as a communicator. Uh, started out on a submarine and was considering getting out after that first tour. Um, but in 2015, um, kind of like the geopolitical climate, I remember super vividly. I was in the base gym because you know when you're an E4, that's uh, where you work out. Um, <laughs> and uh, embarrassingly enough to say, I was running on a treadmill, uh, which is usually my arch nemesis. But uh, it was raining because I was stationed in Georgia, and it just does that every single day. Um, and I remember I saw a video. And I was like, "What is going on?" Come to find out, um, it was the video that was released by ISIS of burning a Jordanian pilot alive. And I was just kind of like, you know, I'm really not cool with that. So I had already known that I was going to make E5 um, just because uh, I was in the, yeah, did I mention I was in the Navy? I probably should have said that. Um, so so <laughs> the list came up out. on it when you said subs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but who knows, dude? Um, yeah. I'm sure it's it's changed, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, so I knew I was going to make E5, so it kind of limited my options. Um, just reached out to people and was like, you know, I, I not like to shit on the submarine community because I love the sub community and I feel like it really instilled like a lot of the characteristics that ended up making me successful long term. But uh, I just, I just kind of wanted to do more. Um, so I asked around, talked to some people and ended up going to an assessment for a special missions unit um, where I was still a communicator. Um, people get real weird when you start talking about it and they're like, dude, were you delta force team six and i'm like oh, dude stop please stop what you're doing <laughs> um so it ended up going to a special missions unit um and it was really it was amazing i loved what i did um long term i kind of knew the military wasn't a fit for me um just kind of based on a few different things uh it, probably i have a couple specific examples and i don't want to get like too into that because you might feel like a, a keen listener could maybe piece together like who it was or something and I don't want to throw dirt on anyone because dude at the end of the day I was never a, a command sergeant major or command master chief so I, I am well aware that there are circumstances that I might not understand because I haven't lived it but uh yeah um military leadership I didn't really drive with it and I was kind of ready for the next chapter um I was dating my still girlfriend and um didn't want to do the dual military thing because she's in the air force and uh it didn't line up very well with us being like co-located. So we uh, had a hard conversation and I was like, dude, your retirement's better than mine. Let's uh, <laughs> let's do this. So uh, yeah, and decided to transition out. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want me to cover about my time in. That's kind of... Uh, where did you end up? Yeah, I was in uh, the Joint Special Operations Command. So um, the center of the universe, Fort Bragg. Um, yeah. Anybody listening will get that joke. <laughs> 
<laughs> I so, love that. Uh, yeah. Um, so what, when you knew that you were going to transition, um, what did you start doing to prep, prep for that transition? Dude, I look back and I'm convinced I had the best, some of the best leaders in the military. Um, you know, some of the stuff that they told me at the time was like, you know, shit you don't want to hear. Like, I want to continue like doing the fun stuff. I don't want to be pounding on this keyboard or whatever. But I just remember them just being like, dude, like you're actually smart. Not all of us are. <laughs> and uh, so towards the end of my time, um, I really started like focusing on like certifications doing and it's crazy how much stuff is open source. Like everybody gets those like OPSEC briefs, like, Hey, don't post stuff online. Don't do this. Don't do that. But it's like, sometimes I, I notice people don't like inverse that. Like I can find out all this stuff if I just Google it. So just like little Google stuff, like in demand network security certifications, or like, I'm not going to bullshit you highest paying network certifications. <laughs> like yeah. where's the, where's the money at? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, um, and then I, I had friends that had transitioned and yeah. kind of talking to them um, and where they ended up. And I, and I noticed is, you know, experiences vary. I had friends that really chased down that money. They're like, dude, I make 350 K a year. I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. How, how are you still alive? I'm not responsible <laughs> enough for that kind of money, you yeah, know? Exactly. Um, and then I remember vividly talking to my friend who got a job at Cisco and I was like, dude, what's it like? And he's like, I would take a pay cut to stay working here. Hmm. And I was like, yo, what's going on? Like, dude, that's yeah. an eye opener, right? Yeah. Somebody saying they're willing to accept less money. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was like, all right, cool. And at the time, Cisco had what's called the Veteran Talent Incubation Program, VTIP. It's been since been like rebranded because we're talking like 2020, you know, and uh tech move, commercial tech industries move like, you know, at the speed of light, it seems like. Um, so I applied for it and they were like, dude, you have three CCNPs. This is geared for somebody to get their CCNA. And I was like, oh, but that's a soft no, right? That's just somebody saying like, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I'm not the guy that can help you. Um, so me being the most stubborn person on earth, <laughs> Uh, I was like, all right, man, um, do you mind if I talk to your manager? Like, I don't want to get you in trouble, but like, this is a big thing for me. Like I've had stable income for the past like nine years. Right. And I'm about to give that up. And the dude was super cool, which I found has been like very consistent working at Cisco. Like people genu genuinely want to help you. <clears throat> so I talked to his manager, dude's like super confused. And I, you know, I kind of explained to him what happened. I was like, I'm not trying to get anyone in trouble. I'm just trying to like find this out. Right. Like somebody has to be able to help me. And like, it's, we all laugh about it. Now I put in a trouble ticket on the Cisco website. <laughs> you did? <laughs> like, yeah, dude, I put in a trouble ticket and was like, Hey, uh, I applied for this and got told no. And I'm sure like, whatever poor dude got that ticket was like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? And like, what is wrong with him? Like, why does he know what this is for? This is for like that. broken equipment. Yeah. And then, uh, I also put in a trouble ticket at the skill bridge website, um, which is like the, that I ended up going through a skill bridge internship for everyone. I sue, like we can get into that later. Yeah. I've been super involved since, but, uh, yeah. So I 
put in trouble tickets, like started LinkedIn stalking, like Cisco, anyone with like Cisco recruiter in their title. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually I got a hold of this guy and I remember I called him and he's like, Hey, you know, this is so-and-so cause he was super involved in um, what's called, we call it missile, which is military and sales and leadership. Mm-hmm. He was like the guy that ran it at the time. And I called him up. I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? My name's Dylan. And this is like, you know how I got your number. And he like kind of stuttered and he's like, how did you get this phone number? Like, dude, who are you? And uh, we ended up setting up like a conference call and he was like, it's crazy now because at the time, like we still joke about it. He was like, nobody knew that there was that gap where if like you had networking experience and like you knew what was going on, there, there was nothing offered. And when I told him, dude, he was like, holy shit, like, dude, let's, you know, let's do this. And this, again, everyone who's listening is going to laugh at this. I knew this wasn't going to be a fast process. So I started like a year before I entered my Skillbridge window. Yeah. No, I think that is Cause, great, man. Well, because I mean, like, I'm sure you, like, you know, from the officer side, even if you want to help somebody and you're like, dude, I'm, this guy's working so hard. He's like doing everything right. Let me like, you know, let me look out for him. Yeah. First line leadership might, you know, be super hot and hard charging about it but really it only takes like one person to be that like administrative roadblock 100 and it's like well you they don't have their you know da form well, that's department of the army dude i suck i was such a bad sailor whatever the <laughs> navy equivalent of a da form yeah. is uh-huh. <laughs> i also should like caveat part of my like being like oh i didn't drive with military leadership was me being like very self-aware of who I am too. I was like, you know, I might not be great with this, but uh, so yeah, like I knew this wasn't going to be fast. Um, and Mike in like, oh, his name dropped him. Uh, and his name is Mike Wood. He's still at Cisco. He's like the head of veterans relations. I, yeah. I told him I was doing this, but, and he said, it's cool. That I name dropped him. I was trying not to. Anyway. So Mike was like, yeah, man, um, shout out to Mike. We'll figure it. Shout out Mike Wood, Adam on LinkedIn. Um, he straight up told me, he's like, man, we will figure this out. Like you, we have enough time. We will make this happen. So it's weird. Cause like, I'm still super involved now. Um, honestly, it's like my favorite part of the job and that's not me taking away from like what the company pays me to do. Um, but I was the Guinea pig for all of it. Right. So my interview process was pretty brutal because they didn't know what to do. Right. So they're like, let's just interview this guy as if he's going for a role. So it was like three panel interviews. It was like prepare a presentation on a technology, you know, and like two hours before the interview, we're going to give you a technology. And if you don't know it, good luck. And if you do good luck, right. And at the time, I was like, yo, this is wild. Like, are they also going to have me run a five mile? What's going on now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is like, this is strangely familiar. Yeah. You thought that special um, mission unit trial was hard. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's <laughs> worse than like sit. Yeah, dude. It's like, I'm talking to these people and I'm like, I know they're smarter than me. Like, <laughs> yeah. How do I, how do I navigate this without like putting my foot in my mouth? Um. So yeah. So like my interview process was pretty and not not saying it's easy now, but at the time, like I had no idea. I was still like still in it, you know, still working. And um, so yeah, I did all that. And then they're like, "Hey, man, we're gonna send you some NDAs. Like, we're gonna do all this stuff." And you know, <clears throat> so I ended up getting the internship. So it's like, all right, you know, roadblock one down. 
Um, got all the dates and stuff to my command, submitted the packet. Luckily, again, like, just like, I can't, it's something I didn't know was as valuable as it is. And, and we talk about it a lot now, like when I'm mentoring people, it's like your brand. When people say like Billy Pugh, what do they think of? When someone says Dylan Davenport, what do they think of? So when I presented this to like my, you know, command, you know, I was, I was talking to my uh, CSM and, and my commander, they like really had no questions. And I was like one of the first few guys to kind of do something like this because, you know, like when I talk to people now and they're like, I don't even know what Skillbridge is. I'm just like, bro, what? Um, but I have to like take that step back and be like, if it wasn't like for me just being like one of the most stubborn people on earth, I probably wouldn't have known of it either, you know? Uh, so yeah, I took them the packet and stuff. Um, they saw like, you know, the official like letterhead that had the dates and like, um, kind of a loose curriculum of what we'd be doing. And they were super cool. And they're like, Hey man, you know, if you have any feedback for us, like how we could make this process easier, like, let us know. Um, and again, experiences may vary, like depending on where you're at and your command might want more things might be rougher. Like, I mean, it's going to be different for everyone. One thing that I really want to highlight to everybody is, uh, the thing that I think is so awesome for you that you did that most people transition people, most people are just like, they cross that transition finish line and they're just like, I'm done. Like, take me, (laughs) take me, take me wins of fate. Yeah. Or like, and then they just like, they just like sleepwalk through their last six months. They hit their terminal and then they're like, Oh, better go find a job. And then not that this is a bad thing, but they end up just, you know, showing up the next day in civilian clothes. Cause they got the GS spot, like one office down. And again, that's not bad, but most people have no active agency in their process. And, uh, that is really, really bad. It's very funny because like we all work for the government, so we know how slow all of it is. And for some reason, like while we're active duty, we go, you have to put in 200% to get 50% out maybe. But then the second that we transition, we don't think that that's the case again. So, I mean, it's a, you've got a great story. Like, dude, you made a, you made a new internship at Cisco. Like that's sick. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, well, and this is so funny too. Cause like, it's another one of those things. Like had this like same thing, like when I went through assessment and then follow on training, I didn't tell anybody. And it was because I was like, I don't want to have to explain to anyone if this doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It was like, everyone's like, Oh man, like you're, you're so humble. That's crazy. I'm like, no, nah, dude, you don't get it. If I washed out, I didn't want anyone to know. Like, exactly. Yeah. So it was like, it was kind of the same thing with this. Um, but again, just like you said, dude, I chalked that up to my leaders. Like one of my first troop sergeant major was retiring and I was like, Oh dude, what's next for you? Like, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Like, man, you have to have like some type of credibility. And I remember he looked at me like dead in the face and he's like, man, no one cares what you used to do. He's like, it might be good for a, dr- for a drink at a bar, but like at the end of the day, like you need to be a badass tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, it just, I was shook, you know, because like everyone hypes up this like six figure job and all this stuff for when you get out and without even diving into like economics, like a six figure job is not really going to get rid of all your problems anymore. Um, so it's like, people need to have more realistic goals. Um, but yeah, so the, so I ended up, uh, got the internship, um, shadowed a team for six months and, 
again, like, it's just like this story of just like right place, right time for me. Um, because I, they call it the great COVID migration, you know, the West coast influx to the Southeast, the Southeast population grew by like 200% or something crazy. And I knew I was going to end up on the West coast because that's, you know, where my girlfriend ended up getting stationed and I was like, Oh, this is works out. So I shadowed a team and they were awesome, man. Like from, it wasn't like the team asterisk featuring Dylan, you know what I mean? It was like, Hey man, you're part of our team. We're down a person and we really need you to like, we need your help. So like the day I got there and like, I was hungry for it too, you know, cause again, like your brand, you know, I'm like, I know there's more qualified people gunning for this position. And I know how the interview process works now because I had to go through it just to get this internship. And these are, you know, your teammates are the people that are going to be interviewing because just like any like kind of high functioning team, it's not necessarily, can you do the job? It's like, can you do the job and fit in? Um, so yeah, I, I did, I ended up only doing, I think five months because, um, just being naive. I'm like, Oh, I can knock out my VA claim in a month. How bad can it be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, I was wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, I think that that might be one of the only things I would go back and change. I would have done the full six months, but since it worked out, I I don't know that I really would change anything. Yeah. True. So yeah, d- during the internship, super hungry. Um, I was like super involved um anytime like people were like hey man um i'm like double booked for a meeting i'd be like you know send me the notes and send me kind of like the desired outcome learn the technology and just like run the meeting so it it ended up really working and and as i've been here i know i'm once five people interviewed for the role and um you know now knowing who they are i'm like man some of those people were actually kind of more qualified um, but at the end of the day, the team was like, you know, we know Dylan's body of work and we know what we're getting with him. So it was that, that I honestly believe that was a huge factor in why I ended up getting the role. That's awesome. Um, Man, that's yeah, cool. so sick. Yeah. So, um, when, so just, just real fast for everyone out there, if you don't know, uh, basically what Dylan just described is Skillbridge. Uh, it's a chance to internship with a company that is in that is a member of the Skillbridge program, uh, where you're essentially free labor for a certain amount of time during your is it during your terminal or is it uh is it leading up to your terminal? So, dude, I got all these answers. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so it's um your last 180 days of active duty. So if you plan on taking terminal leave, you need to do it before you enter that 180 day window. And again, that's up to your command if they can okay. support it because of like staffing and stuff yep. like that. <clears throat> so, um, and then also that really plays into the VA cause there's also critical timelines with that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to get into that or not, but maybe a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's so, a, yeah. that's, that's like an hour. That's, that's hours of, con- that's hours of conversation. Yeah. No, my, Oh yes, dude. Um, but yeah, so you're 180 days, um, from your, every like service calls it something different. I think the Na- ETS, that's probably an army term, dude. I swear I was in the Navy. Um, so 180 days from ETS day. Yep. Um, and I know people that'll kind of take like two weeks at the front, um, two weeks at the back. I, um, probably one of the few times I had little forethought. I did not take much time off at all from active duty yeah. to starting my role at Cisco. Basically a week and some change. Cause I was driving from North Carolina to California. 
Yeah, when I uh, when I applied to Amazon, I timed it so that I started working for Amazon right when I got on Terminal because I didn't really feel <laughs> yeah. the need to have a break, and uh, I li- I wanted to get paid. Get I wanted to double dip for the entire time that I was on Terminal. So uh, so I get, get that the, the sweet taste. Oh, it was it was beautiful. Um, so when you so looking back on your transition, uh, obviously like. You were super push it up when it comes to tracking down your skill bridge. You really were aggressive with your timeline. You started way further out than most people. Um, What would you say were the, would you say there were any other key factors to your success besides uh, your like just very like aggressive nature to the process and the fact that you started early? Um, And then on the flip side, were, what would you do differently looking back on it? Oh, okay. Super easy. Um, one of the keys to my success is like one of my roommates, because in like true fashion, four of us were in a house all from the same like troop. Um, one of my roommates was getting out and he kind of did things exactly the opposite. Um, in fact, like he got out before me and I still don't think his VA claims done. And I love him to death. He's a great guy. Uh, but, you know, it just wasn't a huge priority for him. And I saw kind of the stress that he went through um, and kind of like the hurry up and wait game. Um, And that's just wasn't for me. Uh, (laughs) So I think a big thing, again, like a big thing that people don't utilize is uh, there's so many resources out there for transitioning veterans. Um, You know, the Skillbridge program is fairly new. I think, you know, President Obama is the one that started it, like made it a thing. I think it was 2009 or 2010. Like somebody's going to fact check me and be like, oh, this dude's so full of shit. It's 2011. <laughs> Comment below if but, uh, Dylan got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know, please. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's still super new. So a lot of companies don't know about it. And the paperwork's actually not that bad. Um, I have friends that went out and, you know, since getting out, they started their own companies. Um, and I've talked to them and they're just like, dude, like, what do I need to do? Like, how can we get this going? And I'll send them all the information and the documents. And honestly, as long as they're filled out correctly, I'll say that again, as long as they are filled out correctly, it's like a week turnaround. And every, like, I'm sure everybody's like, dude, no way, no way. Dude, yes, way. One of my friends started a company and they, they're booming right now. And he said he filled it out and got it, sent it in Monday and Friday, got the like official approval letter. That's awesome. Good for him. The uh, It's a great program. Uh, highly recommend it for people who... Uh, are trying to especially uh, get a taste of a career that they possibly might be interested in um, or if they're trying to get into a specific company. So definitely check it out um, real fast uh, because we'll get, we'll go, we'll go super down this uh, rabbit hole. Uh, Cause you and I are both pretty intimately involved in the VA process. Um, any, uh, any quick tips for, uh, for the VA process to get a VSO they're free. Um, it is their job to make sure you're taken care of. Um, get a VSO and do it as early as you can. I think 210 days you can submit for your medical records, 180 days you can start your process. And the sooner you start it, the better. Um, make sure, and like, I think we both did this, Billy, like every piece of paper they gave us, we both just saved. I had, I... A, do- I had a binder. If, uh, but in this, uh, closet behind me is just a giant <laughs> stack of VA, VA and like <laughs> paperwork from the military is on my way out. It's huge. 
Dude. So yeah, yeah. Every piece of paper they gave me when I show up to an appointment, I just beg. Like, it's yeah, you, in the binder. You find you find what you need. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it's not in there, then I've never got it. Anything, mail anything, because that's like. I think you said it the best, like people sprint to that finish line and they're like, oh, I've made it. But it's like, dude, like you still have to earn it. Like mm-hmm. none of this is a handout. Um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Like, that's my thing. Yeah. Start it early and save everything. And How- like, yeah, it won't be that bad. It just in general. Uh, so you you said uh, when you were talking about Cisco, like you were lucky because you started like a year before you were even trying to go on your skill bridge. If you were to recommend someone, if someone's saying, I'm kind of considering getting out of the military, not sure yet, how much time do you think they should take to start like actually figuring that out before they hit like their terminal date? Figuring out like just just tackling the the overall process, like everything. How early do you think someone should start? Yeah, I would say it depends. If they have an established skill bridge pro, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to start quite as early. If they don't, it, there's going to be friction, right? Because you're going to figure out you have to figure out how to message to them that this is worth their, you know, their time to invest into this. So if they don't have a skill bridge program, start earlier, maybe six months to a year out. If they do have one, chances are on their website they're going to have like a section about careers, and then they're going to have contacts. If not, like. LinkedIn is a huge resource um, and you can go on there and like find people that work there. It might come off kind of weird. So make sure you have your messaging down. <laughs> like don't come off as some, as some weirdo because they might think you're like, you know, a scam or something. But uh, if they have a skill bridge program, chances are they have a timeline. You know, like ours is your initial interview should be like six to eight months out. Um, so that way, if like, you get told no, well, there's always, you know, very candid feedback, like, Hey man, this is why we don't think you're qualified. Since you reached out in eight months, like if you, you know, learn this stuff and come back, we, you know, you could still get a yes. Um, so yeah, I would say like, there's not really a super great answer because like, it's not just tech either. Like we both just happen to work in tech, but, uh, I know guys that um, have done construction or I know one guy that did like brewing and now he's like a head brewer at a, at a, yeah, that. dude. It's like, I know so many people that did like crazy stuff. Yeah. So it's definitely not limited to like any specific industry. Definitely. Um, what would you say, uh, looking back on it, what would you say was the, well, I guess uh, now we'll go, we'll go to a different question. What, so you're talking about a lot about people like knowing their skill bridge program. Um, what do you think someone should do if they don't know what they want to do out of the military? Like, like you, like I was a cyber guy. So like, it's, it's yeah. a pretty solid one-to-one you were comms. So again, pretty solid one-to-one, but um, how do you think if someone says like, I, I don't feel like my skill set is translatable or, I really don't want to do what I did in the military. Like, what do you, what do you think that that, do you have any recommendations for someone who says that to you? Well, I'd tell them at least they figured something out. They know what they don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Hey, you're yeah. not at a loss, my man. Like yeah. you're not gonna, you know what you don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of hard. Um, because like at the end of the day, I think, you know, especially for me, a lot of guys get out because of work-life balance. Um, you know, you hear all the time, like, oh, we care about your families, we care about this. But in my mind, it was always with an asterisk. It's like, hey, we care about your families. 
but you're on call, my man, and you better not go more than 30 minutes away from the compound. You know what I mean? And it's like, you better be driving separately to dinner, you know? So it's just one of those things where it's like, I think you do have to have that hard conversation with yourself of like, my happiness and health should come first. And what can I do to sustain a certain quality of life and whatever that is for you? Like one of my friends, when he gets out, he's like, dude, I'm taking a year off and I'm driving around the country in a van. And I'm like, you're going to smell disgusting, but I'm still excited to see you when you come out West. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. So like, and that's like a hard question to answer for people. Um, but I think again, man, so much people don't realize the soft skills that you develop in the military and like, Sometimes just the ability to deal with bullshit that's outside of your control and just like bear that smile and keep moving forward. Like that's worth so much to employers. Cause believe me when I say most people can't do that. Do um, besides, besides that, do you think that there's any other, I think that people get gridlocked a lot cause they think that the military is so different than the rest of the literally rest of humanity. Um, how would, what other skills do you think, are really translatable just to you working in working in big corporate America. Um, and uh, do you think there's any other aspects of the military that you kind of brought over to the other side with you that have really kind of shaped how you conduct yourself day to day? Um, ownership, right? Like I was blown away and I think some of it made it may have been maybe me like hyping up the company, Yeah, but um just like that sense of ownership of like, you know, this is my job and I'm going to do it because mm-hmm. it's what I'm you know paid to do. You know, sometimes I, I was told I needed to like relax. So like, you don't have to be intense, man. And I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not intense. <laughs> I'm not intense. You know? yeah. <laughs> Weirdest answer ever. Yeah. But yeah. And then like, if you're like an NCO or an officer and you've ever had to articulate information to somebody who and it has nothing to do with their job set, that is a huge skill because to be able to explain to somebody who has no knowledge, like a lot of people can't do that. So there's, there's stuff like that. Um, and just like the discipline. And I feel like that's like the, like, it's just like the fucking cheese ball answer, you know, but it's true. Like at some point, I don't care if you were a supply clerk and you deployed to like the most cush place ever or if you were out there getting after it, like you still served and like you still had the discipline to do that. Um, yeah. And just right place, right time is like, well, what used to be what right place, right time, right uniform. But now it's just like right place, right time. That's like, that's, you know, 50% of the job. So kind of, kind of shifting, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, something, something I want to talk about uh, just in, just in a general sense, like, uh, this is just my opinion. The the military is this we're this all consuming like cult organization. Uh, we demand everything from you. Um, whether and that uh, that's a sliding scale, but it's extreme. Like the 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 easy side of the scale is extreme, and then we shift closer to where you were, and it's like it's don't leave. You better be within a 30, 30 minute radius of like your compound. Otherwise we'll know. And, uh, when the pager beeps, like be there. Um, and so something that has that all consuming nature, like you were paid by it. Your friends were in it. You moved because of it. You probably lived on the base that hosted it. Um, you shopped at the grocery store. That's part of it. Like, all of those things 
then then it's literally like you're going you're going you're going and then all of a sudden one day you're not part of it anymore and like in your opinion what do you, do you think because of that do you think that most service men and women feel like some sense of loss when they once they like get that once they get that like transition paperwork and it's over dude i'll be honest with you man i think this whole like podcast i've been thinking like what would i have done different um the only and i don't know that i really could have changed this but like for me it was it was too much at one time like to go from living with my best friends who i deployed with and like trained with and you know did everything with you know i lived with them um a job that like i just truly truly believed in the mission um to now I moved to the West Coast, I don't know a soul other than my girlfriend, um, who is a saint for dealing with me. Uh, And now like, I I enjoy my job, but like, it didn't replace that, like, you know, kind of sense of like, you know, accomplishment, sense of purpose. Um, So that was, dude, that was hard for me. Um, Really hard. I remember one time my girlfriend and I almost messed that up. My girlfriend and I were at like the commissary and uh, I saw some like CCTs like giving each other a hard time. And like, dude, I thought I was going to start crying because I'm like, dude, I miss my friends so bad. Like I had to walk away from her. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go check on this. And I had to like really collect myself and be like, dude. Weeping produce like a man. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just like, dude, these are the best. I've never seen you guys see these cucumbers, man. Like, you know what I mean? So like, beautiful. But for like stuff like that would happen all the time, man, because it's like. I think that's something that's not talked about enough. Um, you know, when people go back to their hometown, it might not be as bad or sometimes it might be worse. Like one of my best friends is a, you know, he is, is a Marine, was a Marine. I don't want to mess that up. Don't bash me Marines. Um, we'll go with his, he's a Marine. And, uh, when he transitioned back to the kind of, you know, the civilian workforce, I would, he moved back home. Um, and I remember talking to him. I'm like, dude, like, how are you doing? And he's like, I feel completely isolated. He's like, I'm surrounded by like all my friends and my family. I'm like, and I feel guilty because I know like my old platoon's deploying. And like, dude, I had all those same sentiments. And some, what's crazy too is sometimes like your your friends don't need to make it worse, but like they'll send you pictures like on a TDY or training exercise, or like call you and tell you some funny story about like, oh, you won't believe like what this asshole did. And like you laugh and then like when the phone calls over, you're just like, man, did I make the right choice? Uh, You know, I still had a couple more years in me. And, you know, I I think we talked about it, like the pros and cons of both of our separations one time. Um, And it's just like, yeah, man, I don't think there really is a good way when it's something you truly believe in. Yeah, it's um, and it's, it's funny because like, I mean, do you do you think like you're, you were a dude who was in on this like very tip of the spear um, unit and like, you don't get there without aggressively believing in the cause. Um, So, 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 so you have that like insane level of buy-in, but, but I mean, like, do you think that that level of just like loss is felt for everybody? Like regardless of your level of buy-in to the force? Yes and no. Like, I think it just depends, man. Cause like I had buddies from the sub force that I'm still cool with. And like, you know, they have horror stories. Like one of my friends, 
their like admin people lost one of his evals, like lost it. They never saved it electronically or physically. So it cost him a promotion. And he was like, I'm done. He's like, I would get out today if I could. So like some guys do have that straight like sense of I got screwed over for X years straight. So when like when they get out, they're just like, you know, what is it? You, you miss the clowns, but not the circus. Like they're just happy to see it in their rearview mirror. Like I did my time. I'm out. Um, I, I will say that it does seem to hit guys heavier if there was any sort of like selection process at all. Even like something as simple as like basic airborne course. I have friends that like were in the 82nd and when they got out, they're like, dude, I'm going to miss like, you know, I'm going to miss my boys. And they weren't even like 11 bang bangs. They were, you know, whatever, but it's just like still good dudes. But like, they were just that single thing that like, Hey, I'm willing to do this. It does seem like it does kind of weed out people like the, you know, fair weather service members. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's something that I find really interesting because, uh, and this is, this is just my take. I, I know plenty of, I know a couple of folks who are like, especially in cyber, because we're always looking to like bounce. Cause it's, cause you hear how much money you can make. And it's like five and dive is the, is the absolute move in the cyber officer community. But then it's, and they're like, I hate the air force. It sucks. Um, but then you leave and all of a sudden, like that thing that you hated is gone. And now it's just you and your like shitty emotions. And so like yeah. it, the thing that I, the thing that I, I think is really important for a lot of people that no one thinks about is like, there's this journey to transition. Then there's this like flashpoint where you've transitioned, but then there's this whole emotional battle that exists post transition that no one really talks about. Like, and I, the big point is like, you're a great example. Like, bro, you got the Cisco job you wanted. You literally built the bridge from like built the bridge to get there, crushed this, crushed this entire, like, uh, crushed this entire internship process, did all this awesome stuff. And then even after that, then it's like, you still feel that. And I think for a lot of people, what they need to hear is like, you can annihilate your transition. You can do an amazing job. Um, or you can hate the air force and like gleefully skip out the door or not just the air force, but the military. And you're still going to feel lost because it's such a major part of who you like. It's either like, it's a major part of you, whether it's the thing that you hate, the thing that you love or something in between, like, it's just, it's just there. And then it's not. And so, yeah, it's a, it's weird. Like it's a, it's a weird thing to have to deal with. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm like you, like I, I haven't cried over cucumbers, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but like, dude, they were nice. All yeah, right. no, but like I work from home, which objectively is tight. And, uh, I'll have days where I'm just standing there in my sweats in my Birkenstocks. And I'm like, man, I'm depressed right now. Like this really, this, yeah, and I shouldn't be. I objectively should not be. And I am. And so well, I feel that. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's like, and especially like work from home now, like every day is blurs day. Yeah. I remember the one time we went, like, I think we got sushi, sushi. or is when I picked you up from, yeah. And I was like, yeah, dude, what's been going on? Like, and then we were both like, dude, we haven't hung out in like two months. Yeah. It's like, dude, where, like, what has been going on? Yeah. And then like, yeah, it's so like stuff like that happens. Uh, no. And you're, you're spot on, man. It's a definitely like, it's not easy. And like the more 
and I, I again like I said I was not good at being in the navy at all like I um and I was never like that dude that's like yeah, yeah, my job is like who I am or whatever but like I still like believed in it and stuff and you get so like wrapped around like the axle of like oh I gotta get this job I gotta do this thing but like the first time you take that breath and you're like oh man I made it and it's like you look around and it's just like oh like none of my boys are here to share this moment with me and it's like suddenly that's when it hits you and you're just like dude like not are they not here for this moment like my boys are still getting after it (laughs) yeah it's uh yeah and then you yeah and i'm sure there's a lot that's one of the primary reasons why y'all over in the spec ops community feel it it's just because you have that insane brotherhood and you you feel like you're you almost you almost have to like fight the fact that you're leaving people behind, which is like the oh, one yeah. thing you don't do, and so uh, <clears throat> is, which is it's got to be rough. So, and that's it. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, and I think that's why a lot of people like do end up going like GS or contracting. And I've I there's nothing wrong with it. No. I have friends that are doing it now, and they're straight up. They're just like, dude, I I'm I don't want to leave the community. It's like I'm here for the people, and I'm like, that is such a healthy answer. One hundred percent. You know, like I made the joke when I was like, I was getting read off the programs. I was like, you guys can have my clearance, like take it with the badge. I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's rough though. Cause it's like you're, you're conditioned to be around pretty high quality folks, or at least you're around people who went through some kind of selection process. Like, even if you're just Joe Schmo military, like you're around people that have May, that that went through some kind of selection and some kind of adversity so you're just around people that generally the the caliber of person is rather high and so it's kind of it's weird to leave that but um when when you started feeling those things like that that sense of loss that sense of um just like waywardness especially once you moved out to the west coast what are some things that you felt like you did to kind of combat that um, man, I don't know. Cause I don't know that like, I always necessarily dealt with it in healthy ways. Um, I, I knew that like substance abuse kind of runs in my family. Yeah. So I was very particular about like not drinking or like smoking weed. Cause I'm just like, dude, like I've avoided addiction problems this long in my life. Like I don't want to develop them in my thirties. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I right. mean? So like, it, again, man, like not everyone has that ability to look in the mirror, but sometimes like you have to, right? Because it would ease, it would have been super easy to just be like, oh, I'm just going to crush beers every day. Um, you know, cause the, at the time my girlfriend was working on her master's and I, I promised her because we talked about it. She's like, I want to do this thing. It's going to take up a lot of my time. And I'm like, I'm not going to guilt trip you for bettering your life. Right. So like, I didn't necessarily feel comfortable like bugging her about it. Um honestly the one thing i did was i reached out to people when i felt like i missed them and it was like it didn't always help you know because sometimes it might make you might miss them more but it's better than just being on an island like when you go through seer they say you know uh was it insulate don't isolate so like anytime i felt down i would hit someone up and like build that insulation up not only that dude it's hard to make friends in your 30s dude especially when you move to an area where like Dude, nobody leaves. Like everybody's pretty local. It yeah. feels like. Yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a weird conundrum, man. But but I, I definitely agree. Um, it's good to have those friends. Um, and I, I think that why we we gravitate towards like 
people that we know who are still in because it's our way of kind of staying connected uh, to to the service. Um, I, I mean, I've shared that the fact that my my wife is still in the military is a major benefit for me because like like I'm a, as a spouse, which is tight. I, I I still feel some in some way connected, which is wonderful. Um, and I really don't know what I would have done if I had to make that like real hard transition to just like I'm in and now I'm never going to see a military base ever. Like <laughs> yeah. that's uh and now I'm out. Yeah, and that's crazy. Um <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh it it's but leaning on those people in the veteran community I think is a huge deal. Um is there anything else that you feel like you do uh to kind of deal um uh, with deal with the that like Cause I'm assuming it's still ongoing. I mean, it is for me, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm coughing, dude. I, um, I went, went to a concert Saturday and it's my throat's just been killing <laughs> me. I probably have COVID or something. Um, oh, no. but, uh, yeah, not, not a third time. <laughs> um, but for me, I think that's also why I'm super involved with the, um, the missile program at Cisco. And I try to stay involved with like veteran communities and stuff. And like, I started a diff, another, like, uh, we call them EROs, Employee Resource Organization, for, like, all the veterans on the West Coast. Um, so it's like we have each other to lean on and stuff. Um, because, like, that's, that's, like, my favorite part of my job now. Because it was, like, it wasn't an opportunity that was there when I transitioned in, until, like, you know, I started cold calling and putting trouble tickets in. And, and <laughs> that's now, so, like, dude, that's the, legendary though. I've never heard of anyone putting so a funny. Tr- now, yo, anyone who hears this, some, some poor, some poor website admins about to get blown up with, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just crazy <laughs> yeah. trouble tickets, dude. Yeah. But, uh, so, so I'm super involved with that. Cause I think like what people miss is, is like their friends and then like that sense of purpose. Yeah. Um, so like, unless you're going to be some type of public servant, firefighter, what have you, you're probably not going to get that sense of service. So definitely from your job or like, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Do you, so yeah. I oh, go ahead. Got super involved with the, yeah, I got super involved with the missile program. Um, and in like genuinely like helping people. Cause now it's like, you know, a couple of years later, it's like this super well-oiled and refined thing. And I'm like, yeah. dude. I was just thrown into the fire. You guys, you guys are <laughs> back when it was hard. Yeah, that's right, dude. Last, last hard uh, intern right yeah. here. <laughs> it was easy after me. The, uh, yeah, man, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I think that, I think that the big thing from that, from your story that people should take away, um, is like one, you're going to feel the loss. Like if you're, if you're out there listening, you're still in, you're like, that ain't me fam. I've got a heart of steel. Like it's not true. Yeah. Like it's, I'm, I'm sorry. Like you are going to feel something. It's, it's impossible not to. Um, and make sure that you're not isolated. Um, and also like, it's okay that your job is not going to imbue you with a sense of purpose. You still need a sense of purpose, but like, I think that too many people, because we're in the military, like, I mean, like you, you were like uh, the defender of America, like going downrange, getting the bad guys. And like, you're never going to top that ever. You'll never find a job that's better than that in terms of just like purpose, camaraderie. And so you got to find it in other ways and that's okay. But I think too many people assume that they need a one for one replacement from the military to the to the civilian world. And it's like, you're not going to find it. 
probably like most likely you're not going to find yeah. a job that gives you that one for one shift. And that's, that's okay. Like that is, that is okay. Um, so you just got to figure out what's next. Um, do you like kind of in that vein? Um, how have you, how have you started like reconstructing, not reconstructing your identity, but how have you started trying to build your identity as like Dylan Davenport post like you're in this new chapter of your life. How have you started building that version of you that exists post-military transition? Um, it's it's funny and I'm like not trying to like throw shade on anybody because this like is this is gonna be like a controversial statement, I'm sure. I Time refused to, to be the yeah, yeah. <laughs> I refused to be the guy who was obsessed with his last job. Yeah. Right? Like it was an important part of my life. It it really kind of formed me. But it's also like I didn't choose to like go to this next chapter, but still like, you know, be obsessed with the last one. Um, so I, th I think it just like it, it's a relationship like anything else. Like I acknowledge that it happened. There were good times. There were bad times at the end of the day. Like it, it taught me so much and it's hard to look back um, and have like nothing. But, you know, I'm not going to look back and be like, oh, it was terrible. I, I got screwed over all these times, X, Y and Z. It's like, yeah, there were times that it sucked. I'll, I'll probably never, you know, go for like a ruck again with a Molly, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, I still backpack. So, yeah. you know, I'm still walking with a, a heavy backpack. Uh, but yeah, I just like, I recognize, in fact, I even said, I was like, after one year, I'm not going to reference my old job. And mm. if people ask me about it, I'm going to just like kind of blow them off. That's crazy. And now I'm doing yeah. this podcast, so I'm full of shit. I mean, Don't listen, like I, 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 I dragged <laughs> it out of you. It's whatever. Like, it's cool. Uh, well, never again. Never again. If you reach out to Dylan, yeah. he'll never talk to you about this subject ever again. That's right. This is all. This is it. Write this down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So not talk like trying to. So you're not trying to like bring that with you into this next this next chapter of your life. But like, what would you say are qualities that you had in the military that you wanted to bring forward you've already really talked about some like that ownership piece um just having that discipline like that stuff you obviously want to bring forward and then you don't want to bring forward that like ultra whoness maybe um yeah, yeah okay. which any team room joke yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably not very work work friendly either. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, like what, that's what we call a resume generating event. <laughs> I love that. Um, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Like, what do you think? You're. What do you think of the primary? Any are there any other things that you're trying to like leave behind, or some other things that you're trying to bring forward as you kind of build this version of you that's po like post military you, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily like, I'm not like ashamed of my service or like, no, it's not, I don't like shy away from it or anything, but it's like, I just didn't want to dwell on it yeah. or like bring it up in like casual conversation. Cause I think we all know that guy who's like gets drunk and starts like crying and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. I only cry over cucumbers. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I see CCTs high fiving each other in the BX. Yeah, that's right, dude. I'm going <laughs> to cry over cucumbers. Um, but no, man, I, I recognize that a lot of like the kind of aggression and like hunger that made me successful in my last job would make me successful in my current one as long as it was within reason. I remember early on, I'm not going to say I got in trouble, but I got talked to 
because I felt like somebody wasn't pulling their weight. And I was like, okay, dude, I need to talk to this guy. So I hit him up. I'm like, hey, can we have like a video call? And I just asked him straight up. I'm like, what is your job? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, either I'm expecting too much of you, which is completely unfair. And like, I need to know that. Or you're not performing, which is completely unfair to me. But one of us is being slighted. (laughs) Needless to say, that was the last time I ever spoke to that guy. (laughs) What an aggressive way to, man. All of you, all of you corporate American people out there, like, yikes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was like, keep that hunger and keep that drive, but just realize that like, you might need to like kind of tone it down or like the way you approach things. Um, maybe you can't necessarily be as direct or your vocabulary might not be as welcomed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, um, it's definitely an interesting thought experiment, um, for people who are thinking about that transition. I mean, first and foremost, like people should say, you should understand that there is going to be this sense of loss and there will be this sense of loss of identity because you're not going to be, you're not part of the organization anymore. Sorry. Like it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so who yeah, are the cool kids? Club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, so figuring out who you are post-military is really important. Um, and in terms of just like handling this emotional kind of set, not separation. Cause again, I don't want to, I don't want people to walk away from this thinking, like I'm saying you need to disown and completely forget about your military experience. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. I, it's just that, you need to understand that as you are separated from it and you move further away from it, you're going to experience some type of loss. So you need to be able to prepare for it. Um, What advice would you give to people who are about to transition or are transitioning or uh, I mean, shoot like post transition and are still kind of working through this? What advice might you give them to work through this stuff like this, like this, this sense of loss. Also just own it. Right. Like again, at, like I said earlier, I had like the best leaders. Um, and one of them used to say like bad news ages, like room temperature milk. And, <laughs> and it's, a, it's the truth, man. Like if, if you're going through it, like every time I reached out to somebody, they were like glad to hear from me every in like, whether it be people that had already transitioned people that um, were still getting after it. I mean, I called my old troop sergeant major who's doing like incredible things now in like different organizations. And, you know, he's about to retire after like 30 years. And like, he had a similar conversation with me that we're having now. He's like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I've done, you know, it's like his third CSM tour or something crazy. And he's like, I like, I love soldiers. I love like leading people and like, you know, getting them past what they thought their potential was. And I was like, man, you, sounds like you need like a middle management job, brother. You know what I mean? But like, I think just own it, man. Like chances are, you know, someone else who has like gotten out. And as long as like, you're not a guy who's like realistic about missing the military and you call some dude who maybe got screwed over or just has a bad attitude, that person might not be the best guy to call, but like call someone you actually trust, like a true friend and just like talk to them. And you'd be surprised that it's like, Oh shit, this is like perfectly normal. I mean, you're, you're breaking up with the best and worst girlfriend you ever had or boyfriend or whatever you're into. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy experience. Um, what, what would you, if you had any more 
like any more final pieces of advice for folks uh, who are listening out there uh, that you kind of any any save rounds? What uh what might they be? Um, I mean, you kind of already hit on it. Like, it sounds so cheesy, but just have a plan. Like, yeah. if you don't know what you want to do when you get out, think of something you might want to do. Right? Like my friend that did the um he did the Skillbridge thing to at a brewery. Mm-hmm. He's like, I didn't know if I was gonna like this, but I love beer. Yeah. and now like i every time you post something online that dude's like smiling so big you know he has like 30 new wrinkles in his face crushing beer all of the time yeah so it's like just have a plan and uh know your resources that's my biggest thing know your resources because there are so many yeah and if if i think if you do those two things at the very least like your appointments will be lined up and you'll have a general idea of what you're doing. You won't be getting out like, man, you know, I tore my ACL twice. I probably should have got that documented. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I hear story from, I hear stories from guys now and I'm just like, dude, you know, getting knocked out on a jump is not normal, right? Like you should have told somebody about that. Yeah, you need to get seen. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, my, I, I completely agree with that. And like, just to tack on for people, like this whole thing takes a lot more time than you think that it does um you you really should be if you don't know what you want to do you should really be tackling these kinds of questions very early on like i tell people like three two to three years out like you should really start thinking about like what do i want to be when i grow up um and you're not gonna you're not gonna be sad that you took all that time because you're gonna do all that soul searching you'll get answers to questions you'll understand what kind of resources you have available to you people smart people like dylan davenport are going to tell you to get checked out because you uh you you like spearheaded yourself right into a pine tree after you jumped out of a plane like all sorts of like all sorts of stuff but the there's just a lot of resources out there that you you won't know about unless you ask about them so taking the time to talk to vets get acquainted with the processes is really important. Um, yeah. But, uh, Dylan, my man, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked on it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Um, to everyone out there. Thanks for listening to the first episode of the post-military podcast. Um, really excited to keep rolling out these awesome conversations for you and, uh, make sure you, uh, you know, like subscribe, stay in touch and, uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Thank you.